you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 I'm going to sugarcoat it. I know what the topic is, but I don't know what I'm going to say. I know what it meant to me. You know, I just don't know how it's going to apply to you all. <laughs> so we're going to just teach a little bit tonight. Um, you know, we, uh, my wife spoke last week on Father's Day, and then prior to that we spoke on the church's mission. So I guess we'll continue on that. This will be part three. And, you know, part one was dealing with the, the vision. And, you know, New Life Kingdom Builders vision. And um, part two was... One crying out in the wilderness, right? How are we supposed to be one crying out in the wilderness, right? So this is part three, and, and part three is call to discipleship. Call to discipleship. You know, no matter who we are, how long we've been saved, what title we hold, we are all disciples. And we can't forget that, right? Because sometimes we can think we're, we're so big and so knowledgeable on things, but Ultimately, we're still disciples, right? Ultimately, we're disciples of Christ, right? And one thing I reflect back, even with uh, reading this and looking at disciples, you know, we all know disciples, they didn't all have it together, right? They, they didn't all have it together, you know? Um, we, we're going to touch on some of these things, but but I reflected that even with Peter, because we, we know Peter was a strong-willed one, spoke his mind, but also Peter was also a person of humility. Right, because even when Jesus came and told him to cast his net on the other side, right, he did what? He repented. He realized who he was and what he was, which was a sinner, right? And he realized who Jesus was. But we're going to go back to Matthew chapter four, and uh, and I and I talked about it a couple weeks ago how we can start, if we start just looking at Matthew and Matthew chapter four, it'll be easy to think that. Oh, Jesus just showed up on the scene. And then I want to clarify something that I said a couple weeks ago where this time here, you know, when because I said uh, John was thrown in prison and then Jesus was started ministering, but Jesus was actually ministering before that. Okay? So we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to go to 12. And we've been reading that because this is where we've been coming from. Matthew 4, beginning at verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And I'll read verse 23. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, 
teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Amen. So going back up to verse 12, we talk, well, we didn't talk about it, but Jesus left Nazareth, right? So it says he left Nazareth to go to Galilee. Why did Jesus leave Nazareth? Let's go to Luke. This is just going to be about teaching, and I don't plan on being long. It'll still be daylight. So remember, Jesus came back from the wilderness and he went into his hometown, right? So, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 4. There's no prophets in this uh, a couple weeks ago, but all right. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on a Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I talked about, we'll stop right there real quick. I talked about before how he's not talking about poor financially, but poor spiritually. Because you can be rich and still be poor. Right? You can be poor spiritually. So we have to understand and we have to be careful sometimes because we, we can get into a habit, churches, Christians, of ministering to one set of people. Right? So what do I mean by that? I think most of y'all know my heart's to the Hispanic community, right? So with that being said, whether they're Hispanics that are struggling financially, or poor, poor middle class, or rich, we're to go to all types of people like that. Right? So we know that Jesus came specifically for the Jews and was ministering to Jews. Even though Gentiles came, to him, mostly, he was ministering to the Jews, right? But he didn't discriminate. He, he ministered to Jews that were poor, Jews that were educated, Jews that were rich, right? Because we had the rich young ruler. He didn't discriminate. So we can't discriminate. Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he was all things to all people. All right? So let's actually turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll come back to Luke 4. Don't let me forget. First Corinthians chapter nine. All right, verse nineteen. First Corinthians nine, verse nineteen. For though I am free from all. I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more, and to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews, to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law, to those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law, to the weak I became as weak, 
that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. So no matter who we come across, we're to be all things. So now, I, I mentioned it last week, I think, after, after uh, my wife spoke, and I, I gave a comparison to what Marie said, that I wouldn't change anything about my life where I grew up at because I've had the pleasure of coming across all sorts of people. I've been able to intermingle with those that don't have, poor people, those who are rich, <laughs> those who are middle class. It doesn't matter, right? Those who were ex-convicts, I intermingle with them. Don't even, they don't even know half the time I'm a police officer. And then when they, then when they find out, their mouths are open, <laughs> right? Because I don't treat them no different. Same thing with the, 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 the sexual offender. Right? I don't treat them no different. They still in need of salvation. Everyone on this planet is in need of salvation. Right? So we to be all things to all people. It doesn't matter. Rich, poor, whoever it was. Same thing when we walked this morning, we came across who? The general of the base. Right? We're to be all things. So same thing we would have come across somebody that was homeless in Petersburg. We don't treat them no different than we would the general. Because we're to be all things to all people. So for us to say... As Christians, well, I'm only going to minister to this because I feel God. Well, is that really God telling you that? Because that's not really scriptural. That's not what Jesus did. Nor is that what Paul did. So when we say all the time, well, we don't. We may not say it, but we say, hear people say, well, I feel called to do this, to, just to minister. No, we to minister to all people of all, all, all classes. Amen. Let's go back to uh, Luke. So now we're going over why Jesus moved into Capernaum. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? So understand, right now, they're intrigued by Jesus. They know Jesus. They're intrigued by him. Sometimes... You know, we meet, we come across hyper-spiritual people. <laughs> and sometimes, well, a lot of times, they can be very flaky. Here's the thing. And, and they'll, they'll always go back to, well, you know what, people didn't understand Jesus. Well, what caused people to become confused about Jesus was he actually was normal. He acted normal. He did miracles, but he was normal. He wasn't all over the place with things like that. He was normal. Even his family members didn't. We'll, we'll get to some scriptures later on, or maybe next week. But we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. But Jesus was normal in everything that he did, because he was still what he was 100% God, but he was still 100% man. So why do we get the impression that he was some hyper spiritual flaky person? Because if he was, he wouldn't have had thousands of people following him. We don't come across some hyper spiritual people. How many of us are following? We can't even keep track of what they say sometimes. Because they come with something, they say, oh, this is real. No, let's stick to the scriptures. Okay? All right, verse 23. All right, so this, uh, no, we'll, we'll keep going. He said to them, you will, surely say to, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, 
do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was, was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So what, what's significant about this, this woman here and Naaman? They weren't Jews. So Jesus is saying, look, you had all these Jews back then that were lepers. That were poor, suffering. But God sent his servants to the Gentiles. And he's letting them know God doesn't discriminate. Alright, so let's go to verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. So, this goes back to what we discussed on Wednesday. Love you one minute, hate you the next. Right? So, in, uh, <laughs> in verse 22, they love him, they love what he's saying. But now we come down to 28, they're not following him anymore. Alright? Uh, I, so I'll read 28 again. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. So this is what drove him out of Nazareth to Capernaum. He didn't, he didn't just go there by happenstance. But now he's living there. He has a house there. So now let's go back to Matthew 4. So we have to understand, Jesus was already ministering, and Jesus was already starting to get a full following. So by the time we get here to Matthew 4, Jesus has already done what? He, he's already been baptized, right? He's already been into the wilderness. He uh, he's drove out. He's driven out the money changers from the temple already, right? He's already uh, communicated with uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. He's also done had a discourse with um. Mine just went blank. Uh, Nicodemus, thank you. John chapter 1. 
John chapter 1, and I'm going to begin at verse 29. And here, Jesus has already been baptized. Jesus has already been in the wilderness. Verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is before, preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So, we know that John is the cousin of Jesus. But John did not know Jesus was the Messiah. Alright, so, verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to, to them, What do you see? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and follow him was who? Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So this is before Jesus comes to him and says, follow me. Okay? So Andrew is already now, before that time, before Matthew 4, Andrew has already spent the day with Jesus. Right? And we know that there's a second disciple here, but that second disciple is not named. But I'm 99.99% .99 sure it is John because John never names himself in this gospel. So, we know that John and Andrew were both disciples of John. John the Baptist. Prior to coming to Jesus. Following Jesus. Alright, where was that? Uh, verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You should be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So, we see that Peter, Andrew, and John have already had contact with Jesus, okay? So now again, so I should have started with this. We know what a disciple is, right? A, a student, a learner, a pupil, right? So, you know, I talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago that it doesn't matter whether you say or unsaved. If you're learning, someone's spending time with you, you can be a disciple, okay? Now, what we have to understand is this. Disciple today didn't quite mean the same back in the early church. <laughs> well, early, not early church, but when Jesus was walking and John the Baptist was walking. So, disciples back then, they would find themselves a teacher, a rabbi. And what would happen is this. If you, had a, if you were a good teacher, a good rabbi, now you could be kind of selective on who you're going to have as your disciple. Right? So, now, what happened back then is no different than what happens with colleges today. Let's look at Ivy League school, Yale, Harvard. They're pretty selective, right? Because people are trying to get into them. So now they're going to take the top-of-the-line students throughout the country, right? That's how some of the uh, the priests, the teachers were back then, because they can be selective like that. Because if they were known, so how do we know this? Now you go to uh, Acts when um, 
Paul's letters when he talks about uh, Gamal, his teacher. Gamal was a well-known teacher, right? Anybody just wasn't going to Gamal. So that's why when, when Paul said he learned up under Gamal, that carries some weight. That carries some weight. Same thing with a degree from Yale is going to carry weight a little bit more than, and no offense to anybody that graduated from that, University of Mary Washington, right? Not saying it's not, it's not a good school, but it's not going to carry the same weight. So somebody on California, Idaho, wherever, you say you graduated from Yale, they're familiar with Yale. They might not be familiar with the University of Mary Washington, right? And let's keep it real. Pretty much you graduate from high school with 2.0 GPA, you, you're getting accepted in Mary Washington. All right? So they're not as uh, selective as that. So now, why, why is that significant? Because when we look at the disciples, when we look at Peter, we look at Thomas. We look at Nathaniel. They weren't. They wouldn't be people that most teachers are going to take in, right? Because they want to be outcasts, right? They, 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 like many of us, right? But Jesus did what? He ran around picking his disciples, right? He didn't discriminate, right? He wasn't like so. He came with a whole new, different attitude than. But the, you, we have to understand, by the time he picks these disciples, he's already been ministered. People are coming from miles to hear him preach, hear him preach. People who are sick are coming to get healed by him. Right? You, you think about that. You, you know, you, you have so many people who are, who are sick. They were bent over. They, they were, you know, even with the woman with the issue of blood. These are things that doctors could not cure. Right? But... Jesus cured it. So word is getting out about Jesus. Now he's getting hundreds, thousands of people coming. Some are coming for just out of curiosity to see who he is. Some are coming because he's getting a follower. Some of them want to be disciples. Right? Some are coming because they want to get fed. <laughs> he talks about that. John chapter 6. Some are coming just for the miracles. Right? So it's no different than the church today, right? You're going to have your unsaved, and then you're saved. But guess what? They were still following him. So they, yeah, some fell away. Lots of them fell away and left him. But some still followed him. And we know one that betrayed him was still following him. Right? Same thing. All the way up until the end, until he was arrested. Still following him. So Judas wasn't a full believer. Was he? All right. So... What I mean by that, okay, so we know, because we, we, we talk about Peter a lot, but you know what? Guess what? You know what? Nathaniel was prejudiced. <laughs> Nathaniel was prejudiced. So let, let's keep going right here, verse 43. But here's the good thing about that. Nathaniel spoke his mind, <laughs> just like Peter. So the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So he's judging somebody that's coming out of Nazareth. Right? <laughs> that same thing as somebody judging somebody coming out of Petersburg, Richmond, New York City, well. Right? So he's judging. Okay? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, 
in whom is no deceit. In whom is there no deceit? So, why is he saying that? In whom is no deceit? In other words, there is no hidden agenda with Nathaniel. That's what that word deceit there means. There's no. So, it, the fishermen back in the day used to use that, back, back in Jesus' time, they used to use that word, that Greek word there, because it was deceptive. Why? What do we do with fish when we're fishing? A bait, right? The bait is to be the deception to the fish, to catch them, right? So, same thing. Let, let's go. He, he's saying, Nathaniel is, yeah, we, we see he's precious, but he's also up front. He's speaking in mind. Basically, he's not holding back. He's speaking the truth, what he thinks, right? Shouldn't we, the church, be doing that today? But sometimes we do deceitful things, right? We, we, we try to manipulate certain things that we do in order to draw people. And we say we're drawing them to Christ, but we're rarely trying to draw them into the building, right? Whether it be an outreach, right? And then again, that's no different than what Jesus spoke in John chapter 6. You only follow me for the food. Right? So, when we fit, so let's look at um, fish, catfish, right? Catfish, catfish is pretty good, right? <laughs> right? I, I love me some fried catfish. Now, but too much is not good for you, right? But the thing about catfish is their bottom goes, they'll eat anything. They'll eat anything and catfish stay in the dark. Right? And that's sometimes some of the people we're trying to reach, right? And that's how sometimes people get deceived by the church. We're not giving them the word. We're not giving them. If we're giving them anything but what's in the word of God, we're doing wrong. We're doing wrong. Right? So we, but other types of fish like to go towards the light. And the word of God is the light. See, so that's why we have to give people the word of God. Right? That's what draws them in. Right? It's not... Yeah, we share a testimony, but it's not our personal opinions and things like that that we're going to share with people because that's not going to draw them into Christ. <clears throat> but he's saying to Nathaniel, in whom there's no deceit in. All right, so let's keep going. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right, so let's go to Luke. Well, you know, so I talked about how you have all these thousands of disciples following Jesus. How does he come to the twelve? How does he come to the twelve? What do I say we all were supposed to do? Pray. Alright, let's go to Luke 6. And you know, I have y'all heard me say John was like my favorite disciple, you know, his personality, but you know, Jesus had a nickname for him and his brother, Sons of Thunder. Right? The Bible doesn't say why they they you know Jesus called him, but more than likely, it's probably by, because of their personality, their attitude. Remember, they wanted to destroy a city. For, they wanted to destroy the Samaritans for rejecting Jesus. Quick temper. But we talk about Peter. But we don't talk about James and John. Right? So we, we got, we got, we have a few hotheads that are disciples here. Right? <laughs> and then we also know about Matthew. Right? Levi. 
He was taking money from people as a tax collector. He was extorting money from people, right? So these disciples were not perfect. Now, you're going to tell me out of thousands of people, so we know that it was at least 5,000 at some point following Jesus, that he couldn't find a better 12 than these. <laughs> that might be what some of the angels say about us sometimes. Oh. <laughs> All right, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Why? Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from, from, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas the son of of James and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. Now let's go to Mark chapter 3. We're going to come back to Luke, so you can keep your finger there. Mark chapter 3. I'll be finishing up soon. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. decision we make, we should be praying about. Right? We don't just come out and we just do stuff and come up with just because it's a good idea. But we need to pray about it. Verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve. So he called multiple disciples. And then he appointed the twelve. That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. So, we know that Jesus comes to picking these 12 because he prayed. Now, we have to wonder. Now, he's praying, and we know Jesus is 100% man and 100% God, but yet he still picks Jesus. Right? But, through it all, outside of hearing about Judas being a thief from the beginning, we don't really hear anything negative about Judas like some of the other disciples. Yeah. Let's go back to um, Luke 6. Luke 6. Read verse 17. Alright, verse 17. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed and the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and he and he healed them all so understanding Jesus got down to their level he didn't just stand on some stage or some mountaintop and look down on the people like that yeah, when he was on the boat, he cast out so everybody could see him, right? But now, he's there. So even with the woman with the issue of blood, guess what? We know she got healed by touching the hem of his garment. Don't you know there were others that touched the hem of his garment? She's the one specifically named, but the Bible says that 
there was others that touched the hem of his garment. They, they just came to him in faith that much because they knew that he could heal. So we have to understand this. We know that Jesus, because we talked about in uh, verse 23 of Matthew 4, that Jesus was a teacher, he was a preacher, and he was a healer. And y'all heard me talk about before that, what Jesus ultimately was doing was making disciples. If our primary motive is not serving the Lord and making disciples, then we might be doing something wrong. We might be doing something wrong. It's not about us. It's not about a title. It's not about a ministry or anything like that. But it's about making disciples. And yes, bringing into disciples is, yes, bringing them into the house of God. Yes, absolutely, 100%. But ultimately, that is when... You know, it's easy, and I, I think I might have said this Wednesday, it's really easy just to do evangelism. Once we get out of our uh, discomfort, out of our comfort zone, because we like to stay in our comfort zone, we don't like to get rejected, but once we start doing it, it's actually pretty easy. That's a lot more harder when you're trying to make disciples. You think about the disciples Jesus had. Hmm. The thousands. The twelve. Walked with Jesus, but yet they still kept making mistakes. Right? So even when uh, James and John was trying to destroy the city, for them reject Jesus said, You don't know what spirit you are. I didn't I didn't come like that. I didn't come here for that. Right? But he was still training, teaching. He didn't cast them aside. And that 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 is the thing. See, what churches do today, what Christians do today is we go out. You want to lead somebody to the Lord, but what Phil said Wednesday, that we got to clean them, right? We got to clean them. Because if we're not cleaning them, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. That's what Jesus did. He was making disciples. And even when he said to the disciples, I'm going to make you fish of the man, what I didn't go to is, before he did that, he had other disciples, including them, they were baptized in the water. Because John hadn't been thrown in prison yet. And they talked about it, and the, and the scripture said, even though the disciples baptized. Jesus didn't baptize. So we don't know how many. We assume it's the 12, but guess what? That was before he picked the 12. So that's why he was able to get all these other people. Now, we know John had a lot of disciples. We don't know how many. But see, John also was humble. He said, I'm not the Messiah. He moved out of the way. John could have got bitter like some pastors today. With two of his disciples, I left him to go to Jesus. <laughs> because I can tell you now, pastors will 100% get bitter about that. Right? Oh, you leave me to go? What? what? And then now, you're no longer part of the crew. <laughs> but John didn't do that. Because John recognized who Jesus And see, John recognized that, you know what? Jesus could train them better than he can. Because John even said, basically, he needed to be trained by Jesus. Right. So, you know, we can't think we're too high, <laughs> that we're too good for somebody. It doesn't matter who we are. You know, and we don't have to prove ourselves to anybody. I'm kind of diverting here. But we don't have to prove ourselves to anybody. We don't have to prove, you know, what we do, how long we've been saved, how we teach, what miracles have happened to us, we don't have to say. Matter of fact, I told y'all before, I doubt more people that sit up here and talk about that, that 
because when you truly have seen angels and, and cast out demons, you don't really want to talk about that much. So when people, Christians, can freely talk about that stuff, I doubt it. I tend to doubt it. That's what's on. I ain't saying the Bible saying that. <laughs> All right, that, that's what's on. Okay. But we, we have to be careful of those things because Christ gets the glory and everything, right? We don't go about, we don't brag, and, you know, we, we see all that, you know, the gospel is not the same. The gospel is free. That's right. The gospel is free <laughs> to everyone. Because guess what? If it was for sale, none of us in this world would be able to afford it. Amen. None of us would be able to afford it. So he makes it free. Why? He makes it free for the rich. He makes it free for the poor. Right? Those who are financially wealthy and those who are not. Right? But it's available to all of us who are poor in spirit. And that's what we have to remember. And that's the love that we have to show to others. Right? Because, again, that is the call of discipleship. Because we're all called to be disciples. And guess what? We're all called to make disciples. Right? And that goes back again to, you know, mentoring and having that mentee. Right? You don't have to have hundreds of disciples. You don't have to have 12 disciples. You can have one. <laughs> right? This is not a competition. This is not a competition. Because we're supposed to be one kingdom. But we don't, we don't, as a body of Christ, we don't act like that. Right? And because everybody's about their own agenda. You know, how, how, how can I get y'all over here? How, you, you, it's not about that. Whose names go first? That's why I love Pastor Carlson and Richard. Because he don't think about that. He doesn't, he doesn't think about that. Right? And that's why I say it's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with the time. And most of the time, I like to sit in the back. Well, take that back. Once I got saved, I sat in front. But now it's like, even as a pastor, everybody wants to call me for something. This is not about us. And I get it. Back in the day, the reason why Paul and Jesus were able to go into synagogue because that was a normal practice. Back then, when the visitors showed up, they were allowed to speak. But in today's time, people want to hurt things like that. But I don't, I don't make it about anybody because it's not even about me. That's why I give all y'all opportunities to minister. Right, Joe? Right. <laughs> I'm not going to pick you yet. <laughs> your time is coming. <laughs> so be your prayer. <laughs> but I, I say that, but even if I ask y'all to speak or something, you know, I find it sometimes concerning, even when people get asked to speak at other churches sometimes, if your answer is always yes, that might not be God. Because we should be praying about that. I can tell you 100% I've been asked. I travel to other states. And I said, no. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some that they can ask me. I'll go up there on my own dime. They don't have to give me anything. And I've talked about that before. But if God says no. And actually, one of them did. Church, our old church in Connecticut. He asked me. And he, that was a one of the, that's one of the churches I would go. So I looked down. I said no, not yet. Right. That, that, so it's done. And see, you have a lot of people looking to go to get just to be on the platform. Right? It shouldn't. Your answer can't always be yes. It can't always be yes. If it's always yes, now I'm not talking about it here because y'all members here. <laughs> but I'm talking about you know everybody looking for opportunity in places. You know, same thing with musicians. They'll go from church to church. 
not about that. Because we have to be led, again, by the Holy Spirit in what we do. Right? That's what's going to separate us from other places. Right? We're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's going to look different. And understand, like I said, it's not about being hyper-spiritual and things like that. Because we'll, we'll come now going that more maybe next week or the week after. But Jesus was known. And, and there's evidence of that in the scripture. He was known. Right. All the stuff we see today, all this gyrating and stuff like that. You know that that when that's listed in the Bible, somebody was demonically possessed, and a demon was coming out of it. That's when they started gyrating. So all the stuff we see, that's why we want to be sound in our doctrine. We want to be sound in our doctrine. So maybe that's why Paul had me teach today more so than anything, right? uh, because we, we have to be sound. Because there's there's a lot of stuff out there. Y'all hear me say it before, right? We can't gravitate to it. We, we have to get in the habit of saying no when we start to hear stuff wrong. And again, I'm not talking about people that misspeak, you know, by accident or, or, or lack of knowledge, but there's a, there, there's a, there's a lot of junk out there. Right? And um, you already know I'm not going to allow nobody to give a prophetic word to anybody in here without tuning into it. And we done had somebody speak before a while back, even when we were in the house that said something wrong, and I came back the next Wednesday and corrected. Because I'm, I'm not going to be one of these people that just let it go. Because then I'm not doing my job. Right? And then you all can't do your job neither. And I'm accountable to you too. If I say something wrong, you correct me. Amen. Amen. So, I think we'll start right there and I'll, I'll pick up.